Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 8 where we have a couple of questions. One is about when the right time is to invest in a time trial bike and how much uh, time gains you can make from that compared to being on a road bike. And the second one is on doing triathlons when dealing with uh, multiple sclerosis or MS. So just a reminder, if you have questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, send them to me via email on michael.scientifictriathlon.com, and that's Michael with a K, or send them on Facebook using the Facebook Messenger widget on my website, scientifictriathlon.com. Before we get into today's question, a big thank you to Stack. Stack makes the world's quietest indoor bike trainers and they have no additional wear and tear on the tires. Your bike can be constantly race ready. You don't have to worry about the tires being worn out or anything anything like that because they use magnets rather than resistance flywheels to create resistance. And their trainers come in three different models. They have the new Halcyon, the Eurobike winner in the trainer and bike accessory category, which is a smart trainer so you can use all the bells and whistles with that one and then they have uh, the uh, base and the power meter model so for those of you that uh, want to train with power but you don't have a power meter on your bike having a power meter on your bike trainer is a great workaround so at least when you train indoors you can have that power sent to you so those are the three options you can check out all of them on stackzero.com on the specifications page and whichever model you prefer you can get it for 20% off with the discount code TTS20 and again that's TTS20 on stackzero.com for 20% off and you can find the link and uh, the code as well in the episode description and big thank you to Ventum some of you may have seen already on social media that I just recently uh on Friday actually last Friday by the time that this episode goes out I had my bike fit on the Ventum so and uh, now it's just uh, in the bike shop for a tune-up and I'm a couple of days away and actually probably by the time that you hear this episode I've already uh, gone out and ridden on the Ventum and tried it out but in that bike fit session which was my first uh, first go at the Ventum even though we were inside I could feel that it was uh, it it felt really really nice and uh, I got set up and fit to a nice position that will be very aerodynamic i hope so i'm looking forward to some much faster bike splits than i've ever had before on on this new bike so that is very exciting for me personally and if you are looking for uh, a new triathlon bike uh, if you are one of those people that uh, would benefit from that investment as we'll talk about in the first question then the ventum is uh, my go-to recommendation for sure Ventum have two different time trial bike models, the flagship Ventum 1 and the Ventum C, which is the one that I use. It's a super bike in its own right, but it comes at more of an entry-level price point, uh, 3,500 US dollars. Uh, with uh, And actually on that price, whether it's the, the Ventum C or the Ventum 1 that you buy, uh, this is a good uh, time to point out that you can get a free upgrade from the sander wheels that come with the bike to to a pair of uh, G0 race wheels. So that will make you go even faster. And uh, you can do that with the code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps on ventumracing.com. And again, all of those details are linked to in the episode description. 
All right, let's move into the questions. First, we have Rebecca from Australia. And actually, I want to uh, chime in here that uh, I have been waiting for more women to start sending in questions. So uh, please uh, don't let the guys take up all the space in these Q&As. And uh, to encourage more of the female listeners to send in questions, I will actually start to apply a ladies first principle. So as long as there is at least one question from a woman in my backlog of questions, I will pick... Uh, that or I will pick one for every Q&A regardless of if I received 10 or 20 questions from the male listeners first so ladies first apply from now on to encourage more female listeners to send in questions all right so Rebecca's question is when should you invest in a time trial bike I'm at that stage right now deciding if I should invest. I'm thinking of buying a cheap secondhand time trial bike, firstly because I'm still new and may quit at any time, secondly because I'm unsure I'll have the confidence to ride it, and thirdly they are inex- they are expensive. <laughs> Sorry. Should I invest in carbon wheels for my road bike first? Should I just stick it out on the road bike and invest more time into training? How much of a time advantage are time trial bikes for a beginner? Is there an advantage in buying a second-hand bike or should I wait and buy my dream Cervelo? All right, so thank you, Rebecca, for your question. First, you may have heard this already, but a related question was answered already in Q&A number six. That question was, can you be competitive in non-draft races even though you're on a road bike and not a triathlon bike? And the short answer is, you go and listen to the long answer in that episode, but the short answer is, yes, you can. And uh, many people are doing it. There's also another related episode, which is Beginner Tip 15, the seven best investments for beginner triathletes. And uh, yeah, I'll spoil this for you. A time trial bike is not on that top seven list, and I stand by that assessment still. So uh, to go into your specific questions and, and how it applies to you, you first of all, the thing that stands out to me is that you write that I'm still new and may quit at any time. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, it's uh, You, of course, need to try out the sport, see if it's for you before you before you decide to commit. And that's actually not something that you decide, but you just realize suddenly that you are committed and you are in it for the long haul. Uh, but at this point, you, you seem to realize that uh, you don't necessarily know how long you're going to be in the sport. And at this stage, I do not think that it's, it's worth to even buy a second-hand time trial bike. Just stick to the road bike for this reason alone. What you can do if you want to become significantly faster on that road bike uh, without uh, training necessarily is to buy a set of clip-on aero bars for that road bike and get a bike fit. And you will likely be almost as fast if, uh, as if you buy a second-hand time trial bike that may or may not be your size. You may actually be even faster if you get the size wrong on that second-hand bike that you buy. And uh, especially unless you intend to get a bike fit on whatever bike you buy, whether it's second-hand or new, then getting uh, a bike fit and time trial uh, or sorry, clip-on aero bars for that road bike might be just as fast as, as the alternative. And if you compare this investment in uh, something else that might apply to you at your stage, for example, investing in swimming lessons, again, the bike fit that I already talked about, or getting a coach, or joining a triathlon club, Uh, I know some of them are free, some of them are not, and some other better investments that I also discuss in that uh, beginner tip episode, then that time trial bike is, is not really going to be a good return on investment for going faster and especially not for making you more likely to stay in the sport 
long term. I think things like joining a club and getting a coach, those are things that will make you get more out of the sport and that will make you more likely to stay in the sport for a long time. So so the, these are some of the reasons that I see that at this point, it doesn't make sense for you to get a time trial bike. First of all, it doesn't necessarily make you any faster compared to alternative investments. If you're a slow swimmer as well, you might not even need to get those aero bars on the bike fit, but you can make up that time just on the swim alone. If you get some swimming lessons one-on-one and you start suddenly swim significantly faster than you have been used to, which is totally feasible at this beginner stage. And and then the second point there as well, with some of those investments being investments that you can potentially use to get motivation and really make you stick and stay in the sport for a long time. One question that you asked as well was about carbon wheels. Uh, I take it that you refer to, to race wheels just in general. And uh, if you would be better off buying them for your road bike first before investing in, in a time trial bike. And I would say... Uh, I don't think so, uh, not necessarily at least, because as far as how fast you go on the bike, the, the thing that matters the most is the position and the aerodynamics of the rider, which is you. That is by far the biggest factor at play for making you go faster from an aerodynamics perspective. And the best way uh, that will make you go faster, uh, that will make you more aerodynamic as uh, position-wise is to get on a TT bike for sure. But again, it comes back to the point that at this point, that's not as important as some of the other priorities already mentioned. And you can get a lot of those benefits already on a road bike with clip-on aero bars and getting a good bike fit. But uh, the bike wheels, I would say that uh, they are actually would come come after the uh, getting the, the time trial bike because the time trial bike will still allow you to, to get in a really good aerodynamic position and while the, while the wheels will improve your aerodynamics and that does make a significant impact it won't improve your aerodynamics as much as getting on a time trial bike and into a good position on that so so no i wouldn't buy the, the carbon wheels at this point either uh, again getting back to what i already said get clip on aero bars and get a bike fit that's uh, what your cycling investments should be in my opinion Finally, the, the time advantage that you ask about, how much time can you save on, uh, on moving from a road bike to, to a time trial bike? So I will link to an article that I found on Bike Radar that is called How Aero is Aero. And they've done some field tests in the velodrome there where they compared different setups, a road bike and a time trial bike. And they used different ways of riding in the road bike, for example, uh, with clip-on aero bars or without them. And also they used different helmets, so a road helmet versus a time trial helmet. And uh, for the, the time trial bike, they used aero bars always, of course, but they also compared the ro- road helmet and the time trial helmet. And uh, so I'm just going to quickly read the uh, average, uh, the, the CDA, so the aerodynamics here, and a lower number here is better. Actually, sorry, I'm not going to read those. I'm just going to say that the baseline CDA was 0.31 for the road bike with a road helmet and riding in the drop bars and uh, then from that baseline the improvements when you went to clip on aero bars but still with a road helmet were 14 percent the improvements when you were still on the road bike uh, in clip on aero bars but with a tt helmet was 17 percent compared to the baseline if you compare the time trial bike with a road helmet in the aero bars to uh, the baseline, the improvement was 
15, 14 or 15 percent, 14 point something. So that is crazy, and I don't think that this is this is a case study. It's it's a nice experiment, but uh, and I haven't found any research with uh, a larger sample size. So take it for what it is, with a grain of salt. But this is quite interesting that with the time trial bike, the improvements compared to the baseline were exactly the same. And only when they added the TT helmet, then they got a 26% improvement over the baseline aerodynamics. So that's when you really saw the difference, only when you added the TT helmet in addition to the time trial bike. And this is an example of how how everything interacts when it comes to aerodynamics. So it's very, very difficult to, to really say that something is worth X watts or X kilometers per hour or something like that. Because here it is clear that when you compare the TT helmet and TT bike with the TT helmet on the road bike in clip-on bars, the improvement is significantly better on the TT bike. But that doesn't uh, that doesn't manifest itself in the same way when you don't have the TT helmet. So that's that's interesting. What I did here for you, for a beginner athlete, is that I used Best Bike Split where I can do some simulations and uh, analysis of how aerodynamics will impact uh, a race time. So I put in for a 40 kilometer pretty flat Olympic distance course, I put in 150 watts as uh, the target watts, and that might be a bit high for you perhaps, I don't know, but it's still more of a beginner level wattage for an Olympic distance uh, race for a female athlete. And uh, the baseline here, again, the same baselines that we used to, I used the same CDA, the same aerodynamic drag, gave a time of uh, 114, so an average speed of 32 kilometers per hour. Uh, I should note here that Best Buy Split sometimes, in my opinion, seems to overestimate speeds. But uh, the important thing here is that we can compare the trends, and that is very accurate. So we can see what happens if you improve the baseline from the baseline by 14% your aerodynamics. So what happens if you improve by 14% by either going to the road bike with uh, clip-on aero bars or going to the time trial bike? In both cases, using the road helmet, you improve by 14% in both cases. Your improvements there is 3 minutes and 13 seconds over the 1 hour and 14 minute baseline. But as I said, you get those improvements whether it's on the time trial bike or on the road bike with clip-on aero bars. And, uh, I d- and this is clearly a good bike fit on the road bike since, since the improvements or since the CDA was so good comparable to a time trial bike. So you need that bike fit. The, don't, uh, don't underestimate the importance of that. Then the other scenario with the adding the, the TT helmet to the road bike and clip-on air bars. That was a 17% improvement, so that would be an improvement of you win 40 more seconds. So in total, compared to baseline, you win almost 4 minutes, 3 minutes and 57 seconds. And the final scenario with the time trial bike and the time trial helmet, with that you win 6 minutes and 15 seconds over the baseline. So that means that compared to having a road bike and clip-on aero bars, you save just around 3 minutes. So uh, again, this is one case study from which I got these numbers, but I do think that it uh, illustrates the concept that intuitively I think is quite clear, that yes, you will improve time, but those 3 minutes that you save with having a time trial bike in this example and actually a time trial helmet as well compared to the road bike those three minutes you can so easily win the, gain those three minutes elsewhere in 
at this point much more beneficial places like getting those swim lessons getting coaching joining a group and doing getting group coaching those sorts of things i think those are better investments and you can gain more time than the three minutes that you would gain from that time trial bike at this point however of course i should also add that uh, if you're an intermediate or advanced athlete and you and you're doing non-draft races of course i'm recommending you to be on a time trial bike because it is faster uh, i'm not saying saying that it isn't uh, but i'm just saying that for beginners at the stage that you are now rebecca there are more important things to invest in and the final question you had should you buy second hand are there advantages and disadvantages to that well this is actually how i personally got both my first road road bike and my first time trial bike and they both stood the test of time more more or less and both were good purchases that allowed me to save money and invest in other areas where needed so specifically when i bought my time trial bike there was no way i would sacrifice getting my private swimming lessons for buying a new uh, time trial bike so i bought a second hand bike for pretty cheap and i still got to keep doing those swim lessons and that was a great choice definitely so so this is the advantage you can save money that you can invest elsewhere However, some things that you have to think about when you buy secondhand is that you need to make sure that it's the right size for you. And you should also ask the seller about the maintenance of the bike and also check reviews for that bike model and ask people that are in the know, like people in your local bike shop, people in your triathlon community, about their opinions both on this particular bike and uh, if they know the person and know that they have maintained it well. And also, if they have experience with, with that particular bike model, then uh, that's also good to, to get to know. So, so I would definitely try to buy it with somebody in the know, actually, with you. So try to find somebody like a coach from your local club or, or somebody from your local, uh, your local bike shop. You can even maybe just pay them a bit for the service to make them come with you, and that will be worth it for sure. There are some advantages of buying a new bike from your local bike shop compared to buying secondhand. First of all, you increase your chances of getting a great bike for you that is absolutely the right size. Uh, of course, it depends on which bike shop you go to, but I think that most bike sh- local bike shops are generally quite good and they ha- tend to have at least one knowledgeable guy that can, can help you get the right bike for you. Uh, the second is that you will be in your local bike shop's good books, so to say, and that will allow you to get some free service perhaps and just be able to go in there and get some tips and pointers and some some quick checkups done when needed and uh, it won't be a problem because they know that you are a customer and you just bought that new bike so so that's another thing to keep in mind also of course you support your local bike shop which contributes to making sure that they stick around so that you have some place to bring your bike when when you need to it is more expensive so so i would weigh this against what you might have to give up in terms of for example those swimming lessons and the bike fit that we coaching triathlon club that we already talked about so so weigh those against each other and uh, and think about that but uh, yeah those are just a few thoughts from me and i hope this helps and answers your questions rebecca thank you all right so the next question is from stephen perry harris in the united kingdom writes uh, i'm going to shorten this a little bit because it's quite a long message but uh, uh, basically he writes hey michael i love the podcast i have a question that i hope that you might answer on one of your q a episodes 
I want to do my first triathlon in June next year. It's a super sprint, 400 meter swim, 10k bike and 2.5k run. I did a tough mother this year and I think the triathlon will be the next logical step in challenging myself. Uh, I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or MS a few years ago. So for me, it's going to feel like a marathon as I fatigue really easily and the MS affects my balance and coordination, especially when trying to run. The bike side of things I'm not worried about, and uh, I've started swimming again, so in time the swimming will come. Uh, My main kryptonite is the run, and despite being able to do 2.5 kilometers on the treadmill, it's a struggle, because one of the things I get quite badly when running is drop foot, and uh, my right foot scrapes the floor. Unless I hold on, I trip up. My usual tactic is to walk 100 meters, then try and run 400 meters, which from the first one I can do without holding on, and I assume it means holding on to the rails of the treadmill. Sometimes the second set, but after that it goes wrong and I need to grab hold. It's even worse outside as it's an uneven surface. I really don't want this to kick my ass, because doing this will be another way I can stick a middle finger up to the MS and raise more money for the center I visit every week. And other than that, uh, I think I'm a lot healthier from before I was diagnosed. I don't drink, I don't smoke, and the diet is good. Uh, That's about it for the question. I'm just going to read through so I make sure that I don't miss anything important. Yeah, so he finishes up with, anyway, any tips or advice you can give will be much appreciated. So, Stephen kudos to you for taking on these challenges the tough mother and the triathlon uh, despite the ms it seems like you're already doing a lot of things really well like taking care of your health and diet as well as you can and and also getting in very regular exercise you mentioned some where there are five to six days per week in the gym uh i guess that i have to say since this is an international podcast now that uh, i have to give the usual disclaimer that i'm sure Everybody understands already, but I'm not a medical doctor. Please seek medical advice from a licensed professional before acting on any of the advice. Uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> I think I got it mostly right, but I know that you yeah, that you understand this, Stephen, and any other listener also will understand that. Uh, I have to say that um, I'm, uh, I, I'm in no way experienced as a coach either in giving advice for MS and triathlon. I, I have uh, no knowledge of this at all. Uh, zero so i just started from scratch doing a little research i actually did do an interesting engineering project back in the day on ms so i know a lot about uh, brain imaging and image processing in ms but uh, nothing about triathlon Uh, so do take this advice with a grain of salt perhaps but i did my best to do some research and uh, see if there was something i could find that could help you and the one thing that i found that you did not mention and that might be new to you is that on the mstrust.org that's uk website i learned that between 60 and 80 percent of people with ms find that heat can cause their symptoms to worsen this might involve a buildup of fatigue blurred vision loss of balance or worsening of cognitive symptoms symptoms such as concentration or memory summer weather excessive central heating vigorous exercise or having a fever can all raise your core body temperature You might also find environments with lots of people crowded together uncomfortable. If you have MS, just a small rise in core body temperature can make a difference to how you might feel. So this, I think, is quite important because uh, one of the the main fundamental things that happen when you exercise is that you raise your core body temperature. 
And maybe, perhaps for you, if you are one of the 60 to 80% of people that find worsening of symptoms with this increase, if you can find a way to not elevate the core body temperature as much, then that could help you have an easier time on the run. What you do there with the run-walk strategy, I think that is one way that is great and you can keep doing that as you do it. I think the 4 to 1 ratio is, is a good ratio and so I would just basically stick to that for now at least. But what you, what you can do in, both in training and in the race is to try to do a couple of things. Uh, first, you can uh, consume a really cold fluid or ideally a slush drink which has ice in it before or even during the event or your training session that is one of the best ways to reduce core temperature either from your baseline before starting training so that you won't get past any sort of critical point or when you have already started training to reduce it back down to something more manageable if it gets too hot so so the way that you can do this is simply put a bottle in the freezer overnight and then put that bottle in transition in the morning during your race and uh, then you should do this in training, by the way, so that you know roughly how much it will melt in in how long a time frame, so that you know when you need to bring it out of the freezer in the morning. But the idea here would be that you would have a partially melted uh, water in the bottle and in transition when you get to T2. And then you have that in transition before the run. So it's really cold and you really feel it. And that will decrease your core body temperature and give you a bit more of a runway for that core body temperature as it starts to climb on the run because on the run is when it will increase the most compared to any of the other disciplines which can be one of the reasons that the run is where you have the most the most issues then uh, one one other thing that you can do is to uh, pour water over your body you can do that in transition or you can actually you can even do that towards the end of the bike and uh, and you can do it at aid stations as well on the ride. And actually, come to think of it, now that I mentioned that you can pour water over you on the bike, you, why not put that bottle that you had in the freezer overnight on the bike as well to make sure that you keep your core body temperature low, perhaps even lower than your baseline might be on on the bike, so that you have that again, have that runway, and so that even when your core body temperature starts to creep up on the run it won't get to that same point where you might have increased symptoms. So this is actually an, an interesting topic, this sort of he- dealing with heat and, and core body temperature that I have recently recorded an interview on that has not been published yet. It will be out in a few weeks' time. I don't remember off the top of my head. But I talked with Andrew Buckrell from Stack. He is uh, an expert on this topic. So we discussed that, and it's a very interesting episode that will be out in, in a few weeks' time by the time you hear this. So so keep your ears and eyes open for that to learn more. But in a nutshell, the things that I suggest you do is to use that tactic of putting putting a bottle of water in the freezer overnight and use it on the bike and run to consume uh, cold fluids. If you can, then have, um, have a slush drink as well, perhaps before the race or maybe in transition if that's possible. And also pour water over yourself on the bike and on the run to to, to increase the amount of evaporative cooling that you your body will do to keep all in order to keep that core temperature down so this is what i w- could come up with with my very limited knowledge and uh, non-existent experience in this field uh, i'm sorry that it's uh, not much perhaps but i hope that at least it will give you some help and thank you so much for your question 
All right, so I hope that you enjoyed this and found it useful. If you are new to the podcast, uh, please make sure that you subscribe to it so that you automatically get all the new episodes as they are released. And also remember to check the episode archives. By now I'm closing in on 200 recorded episodes. Uh, If I'm not there already, I don't even know. I might be. Uh, So do go back and listen to them. Just recently we've had some very popular episodes like the one with Adil Tveiten, the head coach of the Norwegian elite triathletes, and the ones with Matt Fitzgerald on the endurance diet and uh, on 80-20 triathlon training. So those episodes were 152 to 154. Those are the most recent ones by the time I record this episode. Check those out and check the entire archive out on that triathlonshow.com. If you've been with me for a long time, you're a long-time listener, so can you please help me spread the word about the podcast by telling just one friend about the podcast or a colleague or a family member or anybody else that you might be that that you think might be interested in it. And tell them that it exists simply. If everybody who is a long-time listener tells one person, then that goes a really long way to getting more people to listen, which I, of course, hope will happen. And and I really do rely on your help to get there. So I thank you so much in advance for your help. Big thanks before we go to our sponsors, Ventum, that you can find on VentumRacing.com. They create superbikes, but they have superbikes also to an entry-level price point with the new Ventum C mechanical. Check all of their models out. Also, the new road bike that they will be launching in 2019 that is available for pre-order. And if you want to order your bike, your time trial bike perhaps, uh, then you can get a free upgrade from training wheels to G065 race wheels with the promo code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps on VentumRacing.com. Note that you won't see any change in your order, but Ventum will be alerted to make the change if they see this code in your order. And big thank you to Stack that you can find on stackzero.com. That's S-T-A-C, zero spelled out, dot com. They make the world's quietest bike trainers and they have them in three different models. Uh, I personally have both the Stack Zero Halcyon and the Stack Zero Power Meter. But now that I have the Halcyon, of course, that will be the one that I do my training on. I look forward to trying out perhaps some rides on Swift and Trainer Road and Sufferfest and the like in the ERG mode and uh, just learn what that is like. That is the smart trainer uh, capability that I've never tried in my life before. I'm really looking forward to that. If you want to buy a bike trainer, which uh, if you don't have a bike trainer, definitely you should. And if you have one, but you want to have another one, then the Stack is really a great option. The Stack Zero Halcyon won the Eurobike Award for Best Bike Trainer and Bike Training Accessory in 2018. You can get 20% off with the promo code TTS20 on stackzero.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.